Welcome everyone. Welcome to Conversations with Tita and Tiffany. We are a black girl and a white girl and with yep. another black man and a black woman <laughs> Oh no, I was going to say you're a first man, but you're not. You're our, no. you're, you're our first black man, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got jokes, but I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. We've got a really great show coming up for you. This is about learning all the things. I'm super excited about this because I'm fascinated with this, about historically black colleges and universities in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So we've brought in Demetria and her husband, Jeff. Demetria mm -hmm. is a really good friend of Tita's and also has a podcast that we'll definitely talk about as well. But um, I know I, I, I know very little about black colleges other than what I've been YouTubing and things like that. And I was just saying to them before, like, are we going to talk about the dances that you do? And Jeff was like, it's called stepping. Sorry. <laughs> 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 And I know Tita has a lot of questions for you. So let's just dive in because this is going to be fun. All right. Okay. So thank you for being on, <laughs> Jeff and Demetria. And um, Jeff goes to or went to Jackson State University, which That's is the correct. HBCU. And I don't know if Tiffany was saying it while I was doing my tech stuff, but it means historically black colleges and universities. And then Demetria went to Xavier. Um, <laughs> so I'm so glad to have you both here to talk about HBCUs. Um, so actually, my first question is, why were HBCUs established the reason behind it in the first place? Well, I don't know if you want to go first wife or me. Or... I'll defer to you since you're the only man with us today. How about that? <laughs> okay. Well, you have to understand the history of the United States, of course, you know, with, you know, slavery and Jim Crow laws where, you know, back in the 1800s, blacks could not go to uh, the same schools with whites, especially down south. Um, so we had to um, create our own space, as I say, for us to get the education that we needed to succeed within the United States as far as we could go at that time. So historically, black colleges and universities were started, some, you know, from a public from public standpoint and some from a private standpoint. Uh, some we have what we call land grant colleges. Those are the ones that generally are the Florida A&M Agriculture and Mechanicals or the Alcorn State Universities in Mississippi, where, you know, land was granted for us to start those educational institutions to uh, to educate black folks, you know, uh, to get secondary education. And so you know, it's very important. The historical nature of it is that it is for us. It was for us, but it's not only for us. So some people get it confused when you hear historically black colleges and universities that only black folks go there. Well, that's untrue. Uh, and also, you know, there have been, uh, you know, others who have taught there, went to those schools. And uh, of course, in some, some situations, some HBCUs now are majority white. Or Caucasian in some in some instances, really? like West West Virginia State University, I believe, is yeah. now majority white. So uh, that's just a little bit of background. I'll let my wife expound. Uh, yes, so I will pick up where you left off there, Jeffrey. So, um, so the first HBCU was founded pre-Civil War. And it has many different names. And that's, it, it's Cheney University today. They would say they're the first HBCU that was established. And it was established by a Quaker. And so if you know anything about the Quakers, the Quakers did not believe in slavery. And so it was like, how do we educate these people who have been deprived of education? Because remember, Africans are and descendants of those Africans who were brought to America were not considered people according to our mm -hmm. constitution. They were property, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't educate your property, right? Mm -hmm. So that is how that's the origin story. Now, post Civil War during Reconstruction, here you have thousands of people. What do you do with them? What do you, how do you educate them and educate their children? How are they going to then give back and be productive citizens or contribute to our society? Now we can go into some whole other 
direction here. But that's really the origin story of, okay, we have these people. Most HBCUs, if you really start studying the history of HBCUs, they were founded for two purposes. One was to train teachers because we need to have teachers to teach these black people because we're not going to teach them because they still can't come to our schools, right? So we need to have teachers to teach them or A&M colleges, so those agricultural and mechanical. So why agriculture and mechanical? Because what was the industry? It was agriculture, farming. So how do we teach you how to continue to work a farm, work land, develop land, agricultural and mechanical? So those were like the two. And then the one medical school, like the first um, HBCU medical school would be Meharry Medical College. And so why did you need Meharry? Because who, how are we going to get black doctors? Because we're not seeing those black patients. We, they still get sick. They still have to have treatment. So how do we do that? Well, let's train some black doctors. And so that kind of gives you a little bit of the historical perspective. That's awesome. Before we go into more, how do you both know so much about this topic? Well. Well, study, I mean, and, intellectual curiosity. <laughs> and, and, and believe it or not, you know, when you go to an HBCU, you have to take that class, that freshman class. It's a two hour oh, class where okay. you basically ah. learn the history of your HBCU and other HBCUs within yeah. your area. So, okay. you know, you, you get integrated into this particular culture. Um, and, you know, we did things back in the day, I won't say how long ago, where, you know, we did things called road trips you know, where we went to the various HBCUs within the state of Mississippi or Louisiana or Texas, Alabama, you know, all the time. You know, I used to make a lot of trips down to Xavier, as I tell my wife. But um, (laughs) you you get a chance to visit these locations because they're all kind of centrally, you know, Jackson State was centrally located. You know, I could get to to Xavier and Dillard University in, in New Orleans in two hours. I can go you know, to Alabama State and Alabama Alabama A&M in, in two and a half hours going east and west. I could go to Grambling, you know, so you can go to Texas Southern. So these were all within, you know, driving distance and it's encouraged, you know, go visit these other locations and these other HBCUs. So yeah. you get, you gain that knowledge when you go because everybody has, they try to brag about what they're known for, what right. they do. So yeah. it's really, it's really competition amongst us all. I was going to ask that, is there like rivalry between the different universities? Most definitely, (laughs) especially in the Southern states, um, Mm -hmm. because again, you know, when you talk about the athletic programs and what have you, you know, everybody played against each other, knew each other uh, very intimately in those days. Now we didn't, you know, uh, Xavier got rid of it's football a long time ago. So So that's not something we're known for, but we're known for many other things. But also, you know, for me, I'm just a a student of history in terms of, you know, I love PBS. I love any special that Henry Louis Gates does. I know PBS did a a special about a year or two ago called We... um, we are rising which was about the hbcus and their experience um so i've always been a student of learning and of course uh at 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 my hbcu and at many now um you know african-american studies is required learning as well so that's a part of the the journey because if you 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 can't know where you you can't you can't go know where you're going until you know where you've been right right and that's interesting that you say that you can't go you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. But being born and raised in um, the Northwest and the West Coast, I didn't know about HBCUs because I don't think there's any HBCUs on the West Coast, correct? No. So that's interesting then, like, I wonder where, so where is that? Like, where does, I know the South, where does it? Houston Tillotson, Austin, Texas. Houston Tillotson's the furthest West. West. Oh, yeah. And then is there any North? Yes, you have Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. You have, okay. I guess, Howard is in D.C., so that's still considered under the Mason-Dixon line. 
training, training. Wilberforce, okay. Wilberforce in Ohio. Yep. So yeah, you do. But so again, when you when you look at the regional differences and when these schools were formed, you you kind of you trace American history. Like mm. I said, Cheney was started by a, a Quaker, mm -hmm. and when the, the Southern states, all of that came post. Um, Civil War reconstruction because well what am I going to do I got thousands of people what 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 they gonna do and um, and you know Houston Tilliston which is right across the highway you know they built I-35 through the black community and they put UT on one side and Houston Tillerson's on the other side I mean that's the history of Austin so um, wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that I had a cousin, um, but uh, you know, a lot older than I, and um, who was a native of Austin. She's since passed away, um, and you know, the state of Texas, they paid her to not go to UT. They paid for her to go to Houston Tillerson because they didn't want them at UT. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I bet you there's lots of stories like that too, oh. right? Oh, oh there's a lot. Yes, a lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot. You know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So then with and it's still interesting because I mean I as you all know, my roots are from Louisiana, but like when I did go and visit, you know, like when I learn about Louisiana State University, which is not HBCU, but like Grambling State and so forth, um, I didn't it, they never, I guess it was just on their assumption that I just knew that. So it wasn't like it was emphasized that this is the HBCU. It's like, I go, I went to, I'm going to Grambling or I'm going to Southern or, you know, I might be going to LSU, which again, is not HBCU. But so I think I never even made the connection, you know. Of, well, um, see, here's the thing, Tita, there are many, many people in the country who are like you, who are black people just like you, who did not make the connection or understand HBCUs, but again, if you are black in this country, you know, we talk about six degrees of separation, you're probably one to two degrees separated from somebody who was educated at HBCU. If, if, if anybody in your family has any sort of education, because you gotta understand, it was not until, I mean, integration wasn't fully forced until 1970. Right. So right. it was right. not until really recent history that, um, people going beyond just the high school education if they were black mm -hmm. their only hbcus were their option right yeah, yeah. And, and also understand even today you you have guidance counselors who don't push kids toward hbcus they don't even give them that option we found that out you know earlier this um well earlier last year you know when Devin was you know starting the application process and certain things had to come from counselors through the common black app which is, you know, a collection of, uh, you know, 54 HBCUs where you can do one application and it goes to all of them. Well, she had, she wasn't even signed up for to receive that information. So it, it tells you they're not going to push that. Uh, the counselors don't push it. You know, you have to have someone in your life who has had that experience to, to kind of guide you. Because when I was a, a senior in high school, you know, my first thought, well, Mississippi State, maybe Ole Miss or something, Southern Mississippi, you know, you know, well, predominantly white institutions, but I had a guidance counselor, Ms. Mary Walker. I always love Ms. Mary Walker because she said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to Jackson State University. She gave me five $100 bills, five crisp $100 bills, and I'm a, a man of the South, not, not rich, so I see that. I said, okay. So got a full scholarship plus those five $100 bills, and she guided me to Jackson State University. And, you know, and I saw her about 15 years after I went, she said, I'm so proud of you. I'm glad you went because you had so many other options. But she led me down that path. And I had others within the community that led us down that path. I mean, my first school trip visit was to Jackson State University for high school day, high school senior day, where Mr. Um, Billy Sykes, who was a principal at Carver uh, Middle School, got a bus, took us, a bus load of us over to Jackson State University for, for a football game. And so we got our first taste right there. And I was first generation, you know, in my family. So it was important to, to get that exposure too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my son, we kind of forced it on him. I, I shouldn't say force, <laughs> but if I was going to go on a college tour with my son, which we did in 2019 with my daughter, we went to about six HBCUs during spring break. Are you going to bribe him with five $100 bills? No, nah, he doesn't need bribing. <laughs> he doesn't need bribing. 
He doesn't need bribes. No. And he got a little more. He got a little more than five one hundred dollar bills. So he, you know, he he gonna be all right. But again, you know, one of the reasons why for for us we're very convicted about attending HBCU. So our our child probably has options to go to any school he wants to as well because of he has the GPA, he has the requisite test scores to get accepted to any school he probably wants to. but for me, for our children, what's really important is that experience is one of the only times in their life that they will be in the majority. Yeah. I didn't grow up in a, I didn't go to a black uh, high school. I didn't grow up in a, you know, a predominantly black city. And I knew that I was very bright and intelligent. I knew I was exceptional, but I knew I wasn't the exception. And you are treated as, you know, like for me, one of my close friends, her name was Darian. So it was just, it was Darian Demetria all the time. Like it's just two of us. Uh, We had another consortium of, you know, a little larger group of friends, but you know, our names are both start with D. How people confused us, we look nothing alike. We're like, I'm like significantly (laughs) taller. It's like all of this stuff, but we were in all the honors classes together and what have you. And then outside, you know, spread our circle a little wider. Um, and, you know, I can name all of us, you know, Belinda, Makiva, you know, <laughs> Marcia. It's like, it's boom. So I know that, okay, they got a book who smart black people out here in this world. So <laughs> we're not the only ones. Like, come on, people. Uh, even though that's how we were being educated or treated in our educational process. And so I'll, I was very adamant, like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to HBCU. And at the time, I, w- I thought I wanted to be a doctor. So I was like, I'm going to Xavier because that's what Xavier does. They get people in the medical school. That's where I'm going. And I was very clear about that. And my father worked at the university in the town I lived in and um, at the time. And that would have been a whole lot more of an economical option. Even though I did get a scholarship to Xavier, it would have been a whole lot more of an economical option to stay at home and go to school right and at home right I was like no mm-mm, gotta go because that is the only time that you will have the opportunity to be in the majority and get that experience yeah and along with that that segues well into the question because um myths right the myths regarding HBCUs as not providing as valuable um education or um, not being up to par compared to the white institutions, right? And actually, there's a name that you said at one of your parties. What is it that you call the white institutions? Um, oh, the PWIs? PWI. Yeah, because remember, I had no idea what that was until um, at your <laughs> what gathering. Is, what does PWI stand for? Predominantly, Predominantly white. white. Oh, okay. Yeah, got yes. it. <laughs> Predominantly white institution. Yes, yeah. yes. So those myths, and I think and so I would love for you guys to elaborate on those myths about HBCUs not being up to part um, to PWIs. And I know there's some great individual, <laughs> individuals that graduated out of HBCUs that are doing so yeah. much for our society and contribute a lot. So I want our audience to be able to um, hear about those myths. And we know <laughs> well, why the myths, but. I'll say one thing though. Um, it, it's also about the attitude. And, and I'll, I'll say this, my senior year, uh, one of my best friends, his mother was a guidance counselor too. She came to us one day. She said, you know, Jeff, you, you act like you have an issue with white folks. I said, no, I don't. I'm just not intimidated by them because I was in honors classes too. So I competed with them on a day-to-day basis. And she was from Tuskegee University. Mary Walker was from Jackson State University and they competed and they did well. So I didn't have an intimidation factor. I knew that HBCUs would give me everything that I need because guess what? They all use the same books, but I do. I did know that I have one less burden on my brain when I'm trying to learn my lesson. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's what powerful. being in the majority is all wow. about. That you don't is have wow. to worry about the additional burden of performing for someone else who wow. no matter what you do may look down upon you. One oh, less thing to worry mm, about. That's deep. Yeah. yeah. Look at all the, you know, of course we have Kamala Harris right now, but that was just that's the that's the most recent example of people who have done great things and went to HBCUs. But we know we're chock full of chock full of. Yeah, us. like so that whole myth 
just, I have to breathe, <laughs> breathe. when I hear that. You right. know, my sister and I would have this conversation because she's an HBCU alum as well. And she went to Southern University in Baton Rouge. Um, and so Southern University is the only HBCU system, you know, so the, how you know, have college systems. So there's Southern University Baton Rouge, there's Southern University New Orleans, there's Southern hmm. University Shreveport. Like you California know, schools, okay. Like California schools. So Southern University is the only HBCU system. Um, and it, it really gets up under our skin, but you know, it's like Oprah, Tennessee State University, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., Morehouse College, your, your most recent Senator and Raphael Warnock, also HBCU grad, Thurgood Marshall, Michael Strahan, y'all see him every morning on Good Morning America. <laughs> right. he, his, his life did not start with the, um, with the New York Giants. His life started at Texas Southern so University. You know, um, when you talk about, you know, NFL, you know, NFL Hall of Famers, you know, Jackson State has four, I think it is. I think yeah. Southern University has three or four, mm -hmm. um, you know, Grambling State. State. So, you know, so all of these, um, Morgan, you just mentioned too, you know, these schools have always produced um, people uh, who are, it's just not the education, but like highly successful people. So Rosalind Brewer, who is now the new CEO at Walgreens, she's a Spelman grad. You know, so we could go on and on. You, 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 you have a wife. Stacey Abrams is a Spelman grad. You have um, uh, Reginald Lewis. Of, I was gonna say the mayor of Atlanta, Atlanta. Keisha Lance Bottom, wow. is a Florida A and M grad. You know, so we can go on and on. Mm -hmm. Now, and here's the thing: only of like. Only about 10% of black college students go to HBCUs. But when you look at the results, oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. And what they attain, <laughs> there is no question yeah. about the yeah. quality of education. So, your quality of education, your network, your support system. Yeah is is huge and right now because of the year that we've had the past four years you know there is something in um that they call the trump effect because hbcu enrollment is up because like jeff said that one less burden that you don't want to have to think about that if i fall asleep in a common area that they won't call the police on me because mm, I yeah. fell asleep in a common area, which happened, I think, that yes. was, at, was that at Princeton or somewhere like yes, that? Yes, one of those elite Yale, 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 yeah. Yale, Princeton, somewhere. Because if I fall asleep mm -hmm. in a common area, I'm a doctoral student, a mm -hmm. doctoral student, and you call the police on me when you see me every day mm -hmm. and you live mm -hmm. right across the hall from me? Mm -hmm. No, man. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one less burden you have to think. Of. <laughs> How many HBCUs are there? Is it 107? Oh, I have to double check how many um, are still. Uh, let me see. It's about 107, I believe. I think it, I think it's more than that. Is it? Are you counting the junior colleges too? Let me see what it said. Oh, it's 107. Look, you were perfect, husband. Remember, remember, my, my, my company is actually doing something, trying to, you know, engage with HBCUs. So, yeah. um, uh, 107, 51 are public. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And the rest are private. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. What, are, what are some other key factors about going to a HBCU? Like the, the, what you said before about you don't have that extra pressure right like that's profound but what are some other benefits of going to hbc wait can i say one thing that i saw really quick last year common sense you don't you haven't heard any colleges from hbcus that had to shut down because of COVID, but you heard a lot of um pwis that had to shut down because of COVID. so common sense and accountability and responsibility i just want to throw that out okay <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to say common sense, but, but you well, are right. I can say it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, 
It is your show. Right. right. <laughs> say what you want to say. It's a tea time moment. Uh, it's a tea, tea time, time moment. moment. <laughs> Hashtag tea time moment. I always have to have one on the See, show. See, you made the old man forget the question now. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, sorry. She, she oh, was asking about the key factors. It's relevant. Sorry. It's relevant. The other, other oh, key factors common sense. Well, well what? One thing I think um, that's a stark, stark difference. And, and uh, you know, my son is part of this program called Young Black Men of Excellence. And they were having a discussion about, you know, colleges and, you know, the environment and different attitudes. So you had, you know, one gentleman who got up and said, you know, I went to University of Florida. I taught at University of Florida and I was a chemistry teacher. And I was told that, you know, my freshman, you know, my freshman classes will have about 3000 people total, you know, of all the classes I have by their sophomore year, that needs to be culled down to about 2,500 or 2,000 people. Our job is to cull the people out of the system. So it makes us look tougher and gives us more cachet. HBCUs is, the different, is different. It's about the inclusion factor, making sure that everybody succeeds, mm. doing what is necessary and giving everybody the resources to succeed. One thing that I, I was proud about Jackson State is we had open admissions because we recognize that you have some students who come from you know backgrounds and school systems that just did not prepare them for the rigors of college immediately and so you have open admissions you can come in there with a 12 on the act which is a you know pretty low score for 12 or 14 on, on the act but your 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 first semester of your freshman year they'll put you in remedial classes to get you up to speed so i know folks who came in under that type of program who have now went on to big, big things because of that welcoming attitude. We are here to support you, to make sure that you get what you need in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. and, and now, that's a attitude. And now the competition is really stiff. I don't think um, Jackson State has open enrollment anymore. You know, back in the day, yeah. like even Xavier always had a selective enrollment process, but now it's, it's even, it's, it's tougher. Um, but at an HBCU, they do look for diamonds in the rough and we'll get you through. And it's just about that, that community connection. You know, the friends that I had there, we were like, oh, no, we all going to pay. Like, we all are going to get through this together. Um, and that's, that, that is a different type of competition because we're not competing to bring, break anybody down or bring anybody, uh, you know, knock anybody out. We're all competing to lift each other up. Yeah. You know, so it's not that we don't have competition, but we most definitely have competition. <laughs> Everybody wants to be the best, but your motivation behind wanting to be the best is just a little different at mm -hmm. the HBCU, from my experience. Yeah. And that makes, that makes total sense because, you know, if you can, if you all continue to succeed and rise up together, there's more strength, right? There's more strength yep. in being able to combat all the, the things. Yeah. The, all, the things. All, the yeah. Things. All, all, all the things. All the things. Yeah. And that is so true that, you know, even for me to like how you broke all that down about not having that extra layer of, what did you call it, Jeff? Trumpet? What did you call it? Uh, something Trump? Uh, Demetrius said. Oh. Demetrius said the Trump effect about. They have a oh, Trump, Trump effect, effect in terms of enrollment. enrollment. Oh, okay. Um, enrollment. But, but, but the he burden. just said that you just don't have the extra burden. The burden, yeah, mm -hmm. the extra burden, yes, because I totally know what that feels like, right? Going to University of Washington, that extra burden of um, being a black person who's trying to be educated, but already just that those unconscious bias just the way that some of the professors would even like speak to yeah. me or lack of answer me in detail where they would have a different approach with the white students yeah. and different things like that and the fact that i had to i mean unfortunately I, sometimes i had to have an attitude towards the professors for them to be able to take me seriously like i'm like i'm paying for this education i literally had to say that to one professor i'm paying for this education so i need you to help me i'm coming to you to to you for help don't don't dismiss me you know but just that type of um yeah. burn that type of extra energy and that i wouldn't have had the experience if i went to hbcu dang i wish i knew about hbcus <laughs> if i had a child if i had a child they would have had no yeah. no I'm so like, yeah oh. I mean, yep I mean, if you take that, what I just said, that, that, that story I said about the University of Florida trying to, you know, weed folk out, and then you, you, you put in the, the fact that you're an African-American or, or Asian-American or Latino, 
you know, that additional burden on top of that. I mean, that is, that is rough sledding. I mean, how could anybody enjoy their college process? You know, that is, that is something that, that should be a place where you get to grow and really find yourself without, you know, all the additional issues that will come out when, yeah. when you finish in the, in, in the real world yeah. anyway. Because I mean, the other thing, oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. As it's because the other assumption, it was that I got in through affirmative action, whereas affirmative action was actually, um, it wasn't even, University of Washington had, because mm -hmm. they got sued or something, I don't remember. But so by the time that I enrolled, there was no affirmative action. So I got in on my own, but that was always the assumption too. Yeah. So to always have to fight that and inform and, and defend like, no, I didn't get in here because of affirmative action. Mm -hmm. I got in here on my own. Right. And see, you know, that whole argument, and that this is, it, it sidetracks us a little bit on okay. the topic, but see, that whole argument, though, right, about, um, so you never had that, that question in the back of your mind, because, you know, I've heard people and talked to people who, who were at, and hey, W.E.B. Du Bois went to Harvard, so we're not saying, and you know, Black people have all also risen to the highest level at all yeah. the institutions that we um, go to, but having that additional whisper of, um, am I here on my own merit? Right. Right. Because yes. it's not so much the voices of what other people tell you. Sometimes it's the voices that you hear uh, from your own head that is also a hindrance. So if you don't have that to even think about, right. that is so yeah. much helpful. You right. know, like you don't have the, you know that, yes, I'm here because I earned my spot here. And, and, and now whatever I get from here on is going to be by my own right. efforts. Yeah, that question, yeah. that legacy C student that gets into Harvard and Yale because their father is a, a senator or a president. They never get that question. They never, and, and, and they're Ever. never burdened by that, no. by that privilege, right? Right. So George W. Bush was never burdened by that privilege going to Yale, even yeah. though Al, Al Gore either. Al Gore either, right? C student. And George so Bush had what, one point? eight, nine, right. So they never were burdened by that. They never were burdened. And so it's same thing with women, right? So you, here you go, you know, they never are burdened by, oh, well, because my father was this person or because of legacy, you know, they talk about affirmative action, but then they never talked about, well, they, their legacy. legacy policies, right? So it, you know, but they've, they've never been burdened by that, that, that own, that, that privilege. So it whatever right, right. <laughs> whatever. We'll, we'll bring it back in now so <laughs> <laughs> well with all that well i know tiffany wants to get to the stepping pieces besides just the education uh, well, component of but i was going to ask you to what your overall experiences both attending hbcu sounds like we got a lot about the education and how you know you didn't have the burden and how you you all were able to level up each other, push each other. Yeah. But we know there's also each call, all colleges bring lots of fun. So yeah. there's obviously different, <laughs> different experiences with HBCU fun and activities versus also PWI. So <laughs> let's hear what those are as well. Just please understand though, that that is, it was one of the most diverse cultures that I've ever been in. You have to also understand that you have different, you know, social economic status, you know, status with, within HBCUs. Me, I was a comic book guy. Well, I know I'm gonna have I'm gonna find 15, 20, 30 other folks that have the same type of um, you know, interest I have. You know, I played tennis, you know, you know, not not in college level, but you know, you'll see that people with different interests all throughout the, the HBCU experience. And I always tell, you know, everybody, you know. At HBCU, we are family. We are, we will have connections for life. You know, certain people, and I'll ask you this question, Tita. You went to University of Washington. How many of those people that you went to school with do you are actually tight with, call, talk to, go back to homecoming every year with? Zero. I will say this. I've got connections in the thousands because I went to Jackson State University. The thousands. I can probably go to any city and know 10 or 15 people. They either went to Jackson State or knew somebody who went to Jackson State or went to another HBCU that I visited. The connection, the exponential uh, part of that going to HBCU is even though only 10% of us go to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. So we have connections and we go back every year when we can to our family reunion or our homecoming. 
to reignite those feelings in that culture. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing like it. As I said, I left Meridian, Mississippi, hardly ever spoke to anybody. I, I was a quiet kid. After a year, I found my voice. I found myself and I found friends for a lifetime mm -hmm. and connections the network cannot be beat. My son just doesn't know that half the things that he's getting out of this world is because of the connection that me and mom have put together at these HBCUs. My daughter understands it. My son doesn't understand it yet. Wow. Shoot, even I understand it because when I go to their their <laughs> gatherings, all it seems like everybody that's typically there are HBCU graduate, and it feels so good just to be around the energy, the connections, the way that um, everyone relates. And I just like to pretend that I went to one, but no, I nah. didn't. But I but they but they accept me anyway. <laughs> well, but you know it's interesting. And because again, you know, we do have friends in our circle who did not go, so they're connected to us through other things. So like our sororities and fraternity experience, but, um, but then they talk about when they, they go back for the, the black homecoming at Michigan or the black homecoming at Cornell or when the black student union does this over at USF. And I'm like, well, we need to have that because you know, it's all black for us. So right. when we go back to homecoming, and we ain't got to have this, like, we got this special section. Yeah, we're, no, we're with I, thousands of friends that we've known. With, yeah, with thousands. Everybody. It's not 35 so, of us tailgating. Right, yeah. And they and they have a great time. And they, their experience is their experience. And they have a wonderful time. But, you know, we ours, like Jeff said, is exponentially larger. But you talk about the fun. You know, my, Xavier was tough. So I'm not I'm just gonna let people know that from a school perspective, it was tough. Dr. Vincent's physics class was tough. Okay. <laughs> However, that um, that I still remember Dr. Vincent, that I still remember Dr. Labat, that I still remember Dr. Privet. Dr. Privet um, is one of my favorites, and she's a white woman who her you know she started at Xavier when I started at Xavier and she's still there now. Um, and, you know, so that I can still call those professors by their name, that if I picked up the, you know, want to connect with one of them, even if they may not remember me specifically, I know she does, but they would, it, it wouldn't even matter, right? Cause that, that bond is so very strong and we had a lot of great times. So when I went to school, so the laws changed back round 92. But when I got to Xavier, every Friday, I mean, they still do, they still like have their kind of gatherings on Friday, but we used to have a Friday on the yard. Man, listen, outside the union, I mean, the, the cafeteria will cook fish fries on fish Friday because of course Xavier's a Catholic and it's the only um, black Catholic institution in the Western hemisphere of the world. Um, but it, um, man, those fish fries on Friday from the calf step, you know, uh, yard patio show. And we used to have beer blasts my freshman year. So literally, um, they would have, and some of them who are in a little more season, they're like, they, we used to have the Budweiser truck pull up and was served. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So <gasps> those. Paid for by the school. Paid for by the school. Yeah, SGA. That was part of Student yep. Government Association, man. Listen, I well, that's New Orleans. That's New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was New Orleans because in, in New Orleans, you mean it, it, it took them a long time to change the law to be twenty-one to drink, like a long yeah. time. So yeah, um, but that ended like around ninety-two. <laughs> I'm a witness because we used to drive to Louisiana to have fun because. I was, at, when I got to Jackson State at 18, when I was 18, you could buy beer, you know, no problem. You could buy beer. Liquor was still 21. But if we wanted to drink liquor, we go down to New Orleans with no issue, <laughs> with no issue. So that was part of the road tripping too. You know where to go and what states to go. No, you yeah. knew where to go because you knew your wife was going to be at Xavier. Yeah, not, 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 at, not at that time. Not at that time. Not at that time. <laughs> About seven years older than her, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not at that time. But no, so that was just so much fun um, that we had, whether it was a road trip, whether we drove, um, went to go to step shows at other schools. Yep. Um, we didn't have a football team, like I said, but we would go to Baton Rouge and go to Southern's homecoming for the weekend. 
and spend a weekend there. And um, yeah, we just, we, we, we had a lot of good times, but Monday through Friday, um, you know, now they get real cute on campus because now when I go back as an alum and I'm a, a, a more seasoned alum at this point, <laughs> uh, I tell you, I'm like, how are y'all walking on this campus with these heels and all this stuff? And y'all like real too cute for me because I was like, it was like wet t-shirts, like hats, ponytails, roll out of bed, pulling all night or you, studying. Yeah. But on Friday on the yard, we was wrecked. By Friday, yeah. we was ready. And if you took a class off, you didn't want to take a class on Friday, man. No, your, no. your classes should have ended on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday about 11 o'clock. Yeah. But no, <laughs> that, that, that's, you have to be real smart and strategic when you plan out your mm -hmm. schedule. If you want to take it full advantage of your HBCU college experience. Right. But there's also so many, I mean, they bring... So now they bring all these great speakers. Um, we had Spring Fest. I love Spring Fest. Now, what the kids tell me now, Spring Fest that we had, they didn't have the same experience <laughs> more recent years. But, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, we yeah. had MC Light and Chubb oh, rock perform right. concerts. You know, like my sister said before, you know, when Destiny's Child was just Destiny's Child, like they performed that Southern song coming, like, so... Yeah, y'all yeah. had Rob Bass, right, Jeff? <laughs> oh, we had Rob Bass. We had oh Martin wow, Martin. we had UTFO. That's way back in the day. We had Salt and Pepper. We've had Guy. We, I mean, we had all of those. We had all of those. Uh, you oh. know, in that in that campus uh, at the basketball stadium. You know, it was just great time. It was a great time. Yes. I just lots of great time. Can't be. And now you talk about yeah. stepping specific. Yeah, so you got to break down stepping for <laughs> Tiffany. Oh, I know what it is. I okay. the heck out of it. I know what it is. I just want to know. If Who's you your favorite? Stepping. Who's your well, favorite? I'm curious group. how do you derive. I am curious on the history of stepping, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's. Oh. It's only really a black school that step. Correct? No. No. no, no PWIs no. do it. I haven't seen no white well, fraternities. Well, they started. They, they're, they're trying. I'll say that. Well, yeah, they didn't started. start it though. Black, the, no. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really born. It's born out of the um the black sorority and um it's well most of the black sororities and fraternities, but really it's kind of brought brought. You know, it's out of the church. It's out of African tradition mm -hmm. of call and response and stepping. Um, the rhythmic chanting. stepping, yeah, and chanting. Yeah, yeah, so because from my fraternity time. back in the day, it used to it, it kind of evolved in from to stepping. We used to sing. You know, we used mm -hmm. to go out and sing to the ladies in the dorm. You know, oh. singing some of our fraternity songs. Wow. So that, that was just, you know, one of the things. And then you perform with, you know, you had the cane and, you know, we have the canes. Yes. Um, so it's, um, you know, all of these things that, that have come together, you know, uh, being part of fraternity and my wife being part of a sorority. It, that's another connection that we have, you know, and, you know, another, you know, something that ties us to the culture at HBCUs. And of course, those same fraternities and sororities are also at PWIs too. Um, yeah, but, uh, just smaller. It's just yes, yeah, smaller, uh, smaller, and we have that interconnectivity. You know, being from HBCU, we all, you know, we used to get together at the Panhellenic Council, which all of us we used to have, you know, planned trips to go down on the coast. So you have 70, 80, 100 people going down to the coast just to celebrate each other. Yeah, it's competition there, but we all knew that. You know, first and foremost, we're all part of Jackson State University, and we're all you know, part of the African-American diaspora and, and we celebrate each other first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's just, it, it's kind of hard to explain, you know. And yeah, Tuta, we really do, yeah. Tuta, we really want to take you, and Tiffany too, you, we really want to take you on, on, <laughs> yeah. on a trip. I you know, would. Jump on, the, jump on the bus and go to homecoming once COVID yes. is gone. I'd be yes. old for it, oh. yes. We yeah. were actually trying to do that last year, remember? But then COVID hit. So yeah, yeah. It was all I, excited yeah. to go. I've I've had friends who came down from Ole Miss. And, you know, we graduated high school together. He played football up up there, and then after his football career was over, he came down for homecoming, and we walked into the stadium. He had never seen a stadium full of African Americans, fifty five thousand deep. He said, "Oh my goodness, what is wow. this? Wow, wow, what is this? That would be and powerful. then the, then the bands, yes." You know, 
the band. Halftime. We That's watch halftime. We go get snacks during the football game. Right. We watch the bands at halftime. Bands. Yeah. Totally different I think, dynamic. I just think music, music, singing, dancing is like such a deep black rhythmic soul part of the culture and I'm always fascinated <laughs> by it like I talk to teacher all the time about going to a black church <laughs> but I'm not lying when I've seriously watched back-to-back stepping YouTube videos <laughs> I'm fascinated by it Tiffany, like, <laughs> it's about the drums Tiffany it's the drums <laughs> Mozart didn't have drums yes, right. <laughs> oh wow so I have I to mean, ask you both did you both step because each sorority yes. has a different, do you remember it? Do you remember how to do it? I can remember some of them. <laughs> I can still twirl my cane, you know, every oh once in a while God. and do tricks. But, you know, uh, did, you know. Did you, you say what fraternity Kappa? you are? You're Kappa, right? Did you Kappa say Alpha Psi. Kappa then, Alpha Psi fraternity. And then, okay. Demetria, what's your sorority? Yes. Um, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, the um, first black female Greek letter organization founded in 1908 <laughs> on the campus of Howard University. And yes, we have the first vice president of the United States of America. Oh yes, I yes. will applaud that. And yes. she was also and she was also a Kappa sweetheart at Howard University. Oh, I've got you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if, if, you're, if you're throwing out roses to Alpha Kappa Alpha, I'm just, you know, not saying All that right. we shaped her, but she was part of us. Next, our... on to the next thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> part of us. <laughs> well, did you guys have anything? I, this was a great conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, so um, informative. I, I, I learned a lot. Um, I love, I just love being in your guys' household. See, I, I feel sorry for my listeners because they don't get the, they don't get the special treat and royal, um, depth of conversations that happen in your house, whether it's from the HBCUs or just, just black culture, the blackness, like you guys have so much black culture, the blackness that I love it to a point to where, but you're not like, um, you know, but you also can adapt and relate and you know how to connect to the white people as well. Right. So it, they're inclusionary. It, 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 yes. They include others very, very well. well. You know, so and, and again, so to Jeff's point about, you know, being on the HBCU campus was probably the most diverse experience he had because, yes. and most, not just diverse, but inclusive experience he had it, yes. because, you know, there's this, again, myth, misconception that right. blackness is this one thing. It's right. not. Right. It's many, many different things. And people come from many different backgrounds, many different lived experiences. Uh, and and socioeconomic, you name it, right? So right. all of this diversity comes. We do share that we are from, of the African diaspora. Yeah. So that's the one thing we share. But in terms of the most inclusive and diverse environment, when people talk about DEI initiatives and what have you, that's the most inclusive environment um, because everyone is, has an opportunity to have their voice shared mm. and heard mm without mm. the pressure of assimilation. See, mm. that's where the other places get it wrong because it's not about assimilation. It is not about you changing who you are and contorting who you are to fit into this environment. That's why you can fully flourish and thrive at HBCUs. About 25% of HBC, it may not be that high, but most HBCUs have a large non-Black population as well. Yep. So, and that's what people need to understand, especially even in our professional school. So like, if you go to Xavier, a uh, professional in the pharmacist school, many, the majority of the students, uh, many, many, many of them are not uh, yeah. black. And so, you know, and all I would say is for those students who go to our institutions, like Southern University Law Center, you know, uh, has produced many, many lawyers, even one who was a, a governor of the state of Louisiana. But y'all cheer super hard for LSU, but you don't acknowledge that you went to Southern University Law Center. Right. See, that's where I start having a problem. <laughs> so, um, you know, you want, you, you want the advantage and the privilege of our institution and the, our inclusiveness, mm -hmm. but then you want to diminish or shun that experience. Now, 
don't come to my institution if you're not going to like love it as much as I love it. Because I'd rather somebody else to come who's going to actually love it and appreciate it. And I'm sure y'all have similar stories like that too at Jackson State, where you have people yeah. you're like, okay, well you went, but but you went to Jackson State, but you're cheering for Ole Miss. Like, can you right. can you please? You got your master's degree from Jackson State, you know, because you know, that's a the high 50, 60 percent is 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 non African American sure. people who attend that, you know, because it, it also becomes a you know an economic thing. You know, you get a great education, but not at the you know, the high, the high cost of a uh, so-called uh, Ivy League school. And as I said, you know. So, a logo. At the high cost of a logo. Uh, the high cost of a logo. High cost of just because you were there first right. years ago. Right, yeah. right, yeah. We kind of had that kind of conversation when we did our walk uh, today and yesterday about, yeah, Harvard should have a, a, a huge endowment because it was built on the backs of slaves and, you know, free labor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, Georgetown, Georgetown, same thing. All of them, yeah. 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 So. Wow. This is so, this is good. <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. Yeah. Tiffany, do you have anything else you want to ask or add or? Uh, no, my most important question about Stephanie got asked, <laughs> so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is great. This is, I learned a lot. It was super educational and was really surprised to hear that a lot of, you know, like Tita didn't know about HBCUs. Like that's, mm. I mean, I think that's a huge gap there. Like there's, there's that, you know, I, and, and just having, learning your experience of what it's like makes so much sense of like not having that added layer of pressure of having to fit in or conform or being judged or being at risk. Like, Mm -hmm. It just, yeah, it just, yeah. it just makes sense. So thank you both for coming on. So lovely mm -hmm. to meet you, Jeff. Dimitri, oh, nice you have you. a podcast as well, which is awesome. So can you share a little bit about that so our listeners can listen to to you and your amazing sister? Yes. Woo, she so said that well. She said amazing yes. sister. She got you down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we are live on Sundays. It's a video podcast, and we are on Facebook and YouTube, and it is called Hey Sister. And so it is for sisters, about sisters, uh, uh, by sisters, and uh, we include the misters every now and then, like you all included today. You included a mister. But we cover, you know, all types of topics. Um, this month, we've been featuring couples. And we've been talking about a lot of black love this month, this past Sunday. And you should go back and listen to the replay. We had a phenomenal couple who are in business together. They own uh, nine franchises and it's wow. called uh, Faith Family and Franchise. They were phenomenal. Um, I'm going to watch that. You yeah. know, so yeah. So find us. It's uh, YouTube, Hey Sister, Facebook, Hey Sister. Watch us there. And then, of course, I do have to throw in a plug because you have on the Go Grow Get shirt. That's why I wore it. I wore it on purpose. Yay. <laughs> so my annual Spring into Leadership Women's Conference is coming up at the end of April. And so, Tiffany, we would love to have you attend oh this year. Gosh. It is um, April 29th through May 1st. Um, it's a three-day experience. Our... Um, VIP experience is the best experience, right, Tita? You yes. got to go all the way with yes. it. And so yes. um, we would love you. So you can go to springintoleadership.com and you can check out um, the, the, the link to register and, and get save your spot. And uh, yeah. And, yeah, and be a part of the Go Grow Get movement. Yes, I we'll love drop, it. And we'll drop all that yeah. in the show notes, notes as well. But can you, there's one other, because we love, um, leveling up our women um, guests, especially when they have businesses, and especially our Black-owned business women mm -hmm. owners. Can you also talk about your virtual lunches quarterly? Because you're having yeah, so yes, one's well, going to be featuring your very own, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, COVID, you know, I I decided like, okay, oh, we can't get together. What's happening? And um, so in response to just kind of the pandemic, I decided to launch a virtual brunch series. And our first virtual brunch for 2021, because we're still kind of in the pandemic zone, um, is going to feature the very own uh, chief brandologist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Peace Out Walker on March 6th. So yes, you can um, find the event. She's posted it. It's also on my, my business page, vantagepointcoach.com. And, and sign up to, to hear her talk about the difference between branding and marketing and how your message might be drowning. Um, and it has nothing to do with your marketing plan. It's really because you haven't figured out what your brand message is. So <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I know she's got to do that. And I know you do branding too, Tita. Yeah, uh, we, we both do. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes <laughs> exactly. So maybe you can come on and support um, Tita on that day and be a part of our virtual brunch and join our community as well. Oh, thank mm. you so much. Yeah. Jeffrey, if, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you... <laughs> <laughs> Reach they out to me. They have, they have to, to go through Demetria. Demetria. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, she, she's my brand you, manager. I didn't want yes. you to feel left out. <laughs> no, but but I do want to say though, because you know, he mentioned his company briefly. So the company that he works for, one Jeff thing that Jeff is doing is that they do have a focus on recruiting um HBCU graduates. He does a lot of mentoring whether they're HBCU graduates or not, he does a lot of mentoring. Um, and so there's some initiatives that he's working on in that area. So, um, you know, I, that should not just go without saying about, uh, about living it. And really yeah. his organization has made a commitment to hire how many people? 500 HBCU graduates over the next wow. three years. Um, we're also involved in this project called the Just Project. We are uh, supporting all uh, HBCU schools in getting back on campus by providing testing kits, over $25 million worth of supplies for testing. Um, and also wow. having set up a, what we call hub schools that are taking those tests and, and performing. And Xavier is one of those hub schools that is um, actually doing the, um, the testing uh, for uh, for the students and, and faculty back at, at those particular schools. We want to make sure that everybody remains safe. And so Xavier University is a partner with Thermo Fisher Scientific, uh, along with other HBCUs, you know, the FAMUs of the world, Howard, Meharry, um, Morehouse, Howard, uh, you name it. So we're, we're reaching out to all 107 HBCUs uh, to see if they want to participate and we've had a great response so um, but so we're out there supporting and uh, I'm, I'm proud of my company and what's what we've your company done. tell us about yeah your we'll drop because we need to drop yeah. that in the link yeah well thermo fisher scientific thermo fisher scientific oh okay yeah and so then we'll we, drop your l um linkedin uh we'll drop your yeah. name for people who yeah. want to connect with you on linkedin and perfect maybe have a conversation perfect great idea. perfect okay. yeah and hashtag that uh Hashtag Thermo Fisher Scientific. And for Jackson State, hashtag VI Love. That's our, that's our. Is that's it VI Love? VI Love. VI Love. VI Love. It's part of our alma mater, VI Love, my dear old college home. So we, we've okay. kind of adopted VI Love. Oh. The issue. Love okay. And I'm also a fox too, friend of Xavier. Yes, he is also a fox. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am too. <laughs> I am too, to some degree. Yeah, the yeah. friend of Xavier. So yeah. yeah. Oh, this is so great. Okay, yes. we, we, I feel like we could have you on for hours. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> Thank you both so much. This was Thank this was you. awesome. Tita, do you want to talk about how they can find? Sure. Us? So you can find us at blackgirlwhitegirlconversations.com. It's our one-stop shop for you to get to our YouTube channel, to get to our um, Instagram page. Um, in our, if you're watching this live either on my page personal facebook page or tiffany's personal facebook page you can also go to our new conversation with um tita and tiffany facebook page and subscribe and follow so you can always know when we go live um i think that's about Instagram, it, right? all the things just go to our yeah. website it's all there yeah everything's yeah. there mm-hmm. yeah. and we invite you jackson state invites you to our homecoming 2021 please come Oh yes, my God! Yes. yes, all listeners, you are invited. Yes, we'll you all are invited. We will. We'll have I, will you know, I am hoping to. So, if there's anybody out there listening who wants to sponsor an HBCU tour, a, a homecoming tour, let us know because my sister and I would love to get on a bus with some of you oh, and so take you, so we can determine who really does have the best HBCU homecoming. I will say this. Oh, 
good. That you was think, fun if, to yeah, me. Everybody's HBCU homecoming should be number one in their heart. We, we're really trying to figure out who's number two. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even saying mine. Mine should be number one. Hers should be number one. Any other HBCU grad, your homecoming should be number one because you're going back connecting with family. That should be number one in your heart. The question is, who's going to be number two in your heart? Okay. That sounds so okay. fun. Okay. So, okay. Lots of fun. Food, oh fun, and family, for God. sure. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, we have to have a black girl, white girl uh, uh, I, I homecoming tour with Demetria. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Might have to drop some yeah. video into your links and let you know this is how it goes down here at Jackson State. Yeah. This is how it goes. Recording live from, yeah. <laughs> I see it now. I see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. Thank you yeah. all. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great day. Have a great day. Stay safe.